Greetings and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, A Stone in Zion. And uh, the title is really taken from a scripture verse from 1 Peter 2, verse 6, where it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And the idea there is that it's about Jesus. And I, I hope that my uh, sermons are focused on Jesus. I, I try to keep them focused on that precious cornerstone who I know in this world is for many is a stumbling block. But for us, he's a precious cornerstone. And when we put our trust in him, we will not be put to shame. And um, so this podcast is really just the sermon text for my sermon each week that I'll read, and then also um, my sermon, a recording of the sermon. If you are watching on YouTube, it's the same. It's the same thing, but I want to get it out here into a few different formats and different uh, availabilities for people. And today we see the theme for our service is one on marriage, and the lessons it talks about marriage. And Jesus brings up. The topic of divorce. Well, really, the Pharisees bring it up, um, but Jesus isn't afraid to talk about this topic, which can be kind of tricky for some people. But Jesus knew that it was an important one for us. Um, so maybe this will um, open up some wounds, possibly. But I think it's good for us to look what, at what God has to say about this, and even if um, you know we're not married. We can learn something from this. And if, um, you know, even if uh, we are married and we haven't gotten a divorce, there's definitely some things for us to look at here in this text. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get started. Please rise for the gospel reading. It will come to us today from Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. And a portion of this will also serve as our sermon text for today. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the gospel of our Lord. Our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 10 
will serve as our sermon text for today, and especially verses 9 to 12. Allow me to just uh, read to you uh, verse 9 again. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ, the one who blesses us in many ways. There are a lot of questions that are not easily settled. You know, there's a lot of different opinions on a particular topic. And it seems like no matter which way you go, you're not going to make everyone happy, right? It has to be hard to make those decisions where you know uh, people feel differently on them. And, and no matter what decision you make, you're going to make some enemies. That's essentially what the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. See, the Pharisees, they loved to sit around and talk about how, how smart they were and to debate theological questions, you know, questions from the Bible. And there was a, a question that they had that there was some dispute about, even amongst themselves, and it was about divorce. There was one rabbi who said that you could get a divorce for anything that... that uh, for any reason at all, you know, just the slightest reason. If if your husband makes you upset, he doesn't make you happy. Well, you can divorce him. If your wife doesn't do what uh, you know you think she should be doing, well, you can divorce her. And then there was another rabbi who said you can't get a divorce for any reason. And so one day we see here in our gospel lesson, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they were trying to trap him. They were asking him, "Well, which one is it?" And he, they kind of knew that no matter which one he said, there were going to be some people who disagreed with him. See, Jesus knew what was going on, though. And he wasn't going to get trapped. He wasn't going to get trapped by this trick question that they had for him. Jesus told him the truth. He quotes from the Old Testament, right? He quotes from Genesis. The very beginning. And we see that marriage was something that God had made. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that's so, so different than how the world sees marriage. But when we realize that marriage is something that God has established, it changes our whole perspective on it. Jesus wanted to defend marriage. Marriage is something that God had made as a blessing for mankind. It was a way for him, for God to allow children to be brought up in the knowledge of the Lord. To have that uh, mother and father in a Christian home. It was a very important part of God's plan. So Jesus stood up and defended marriage here. And he assures us, too, that it's a blessing for us now, whether you're, you're married or not. It is a blessing for us all, one that we should appreciate. Now, of course, that, that topic of divorce that the Pharisees brought up, it can be a tricky one. And I bet that's why the Pharisees brought it up, is because it can ruffle some feathers, 
And they were hoping that Jesus was going to open up a, just a big can of worms and get into all sorts of trouble. We see that Jesus wasn't going to let that happen. He needed to change the focus to what was really going on. That this is a blessing from God. See, I think a lot of times people think of marriage in worldly way. You know, if you think of marriage, if it's just a, a human institution defined by humans, set up by humans, well, then it can be dissolved by humans, right? If it's just a human contract, like anything else, then it works that way. And, and think about all the other human contracts that, that we have, right? Think about your job. Maybe your job was kind of like that, where, you know, you, you sign up, you say, okay, if you're going to pay me this much, I'm going to do this job for you. And as long as the person is, is paying you as, as much as uh, they said they would and doesn't change the expectations too much, and as long as you're doing the work that you're supposed to do, well, both sides are happy. But of course, the moment that changes, when things aren't the way they're supposed to be, well, then it's time to look for a different job, right? And sometimes people bring that same kind of worldly mentality to marriage. Or they think about it like a, a football team and a football player, right? You know, you, you got a player on there, and as long as that player is playing hard and winning games, well, it's great. But then, what happens when they stop? What happens when things turn sour? The magic is gone. Well, I need to trade them to a different team. That is how the world sees marriage. And if that was, if marriage was just a worldly thing, well, then that would be the way to do it, right? As long as you're happy, go for it. Things turn bad, move on. But of course, Jesus sets the whole tone here. When he quotes from Genesis and says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, just even that statement itself is a big statement, isn't it? And in fact, in our day, in our age, that very sentence is under attack, right? It says there, in the beginning, God made them male and female. But that's what it says. We believe it to be true. He made them male and he made them female. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one. See, Jesus remind us that this was something that God had established. So it isn't an earthly, worldly contract, but it's something that God has established for us as a blessing. Think of it as a, your children, right? I mean, if your child gets a little difficult, you don't just abandon your child or trade them in for a different one. No, you're in it for the long haul. Sometimes that can take work. And dedication, right? Sometimes we have to surrender our own will and submit ourselves to God's will. And that can be really hard, right? That's part of what it means to be a Christian. To put in that effort and to work hard for that. Now, perhaps 
we talk about the topic of divorce here, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm married, but I've never been divorced, so maybe I've kept this. But really, we think about any time a person abuses a per- that, that marriage bond through emotional abuse, verbal abuse, cutting down the other person, you know, it's just trying to help you, tell them to shut up. Any of those kinds of uh, attacks and physical abuse, too, these are all ways of mistreating marriage and, and breaking that bond. It's all involved here, and it's an important one for us to take a look at because I want to think for those who are married, it's not easy to follow this example that God has set for us here. It takes work. And what about those who are not married? You know, what if you're you know, a teenager and you haven't been married yet? Not planning on getting married even? Or perhaps you're single as an adult? Well, Jesus lays out here in our text the groundwork for marriage, doesn't he? He says God made them male and female and the, the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. But see, when there's this uniting outside of marriage, that's really mistreating marriage, isn't it? So marriage can be honored even by those who aren't married, by when they respect what God has established for marriage and recognize that it's a blessing. See, when a person is united to another person that way, and then that bond is broken, it hurts. And maybe you've never had that happen, but I imagine plenty of us have. It hurts when that, that those bonds that, that are made are just torn in two. And God is really looking out for us here by trying to make sure that those bonds aren't broken. So that heartache, that that pain doesn't happen. Here we see God giving us this law really as a blessing. Not as just another way to make us feel guilty. But I know when I bring up this topic, that for some it might. That's why we need to look at what it says here and what God means for us in the present, in the future, and in the past. Do you know someone who is stuck in the past? You know, maybe they're into nostalgia. Do you like to watch old TV shows, old movies on TV? Do you like to listen to the the bands that were popular when you were a kid? I think all of us kind of, in a sense, do like nostalgia. And it's okay to kind of live in the past a little bit. But when it comes to sin and guilt, I've seen people who have lived in the past and have been racked with guilt over something that they did in the past. And and certainly, you know, this topic here, divorce, can fit into that as well. There's no reason for us to live in the past in the guilt. Our sins have been paid for by Jesus. 
see, the thing is, we don't really have control over what's happened in the past. But we do have control over the present and the future, at least a little bit. And that's where God wants us to think about and to focus on the present and the future. How can I right now, today, right now, how can I show love to my spouse? How can I help keep this commandment? If I'm single, how can I remain pure? How can I right now, today, do what Jesus tells us here in our text? How can I do this in the future? As we look ahead, as we make our plans for life, how can I show love to my spouse in the future? How can I remain single and pure in the future? No, we, we don't need to focus on the past, because as I mentioned before, that sin of breaking the sixth commandment here, whatever way that might be, has been paid for by Jesus on the cross. You know, sometimes there's an idea that, that there are certain sins that are, that are just unforgivable. You know, like, well, there's, there's a line, and, you know, you got little sins over here, little white lies and things like that. And then there's a line, and if you cross over that line, well, then you've gone too far. You know, you, you can't, can't come to church anymore. You can't show your face in front of other people. There is no line like that in all of Scripture. I've read it through. All sins are paid for by Christ on the cross. What we need to do is to take our sins, whether it's a sin against the Sixth Commandment or any other sin, and if it's weighing down heavy upon us, apparently that sin is bigger than one person can bear. And what we need to do Take that sin and give it to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, this is too much for me. You take it. And you know what? He takes it. He takes it because he loves you. He takes it and he, he pays for it there on the cross as he removes the punishment for our sins and gives us a hope of eternal life. We need to know that, don't we? That our sins that we have committed, sins against uh, God's institution of marriage. You know, it's called holy matrimony. It's called that because it's established by God. It's not called that because we are always so holy, right? We need to take those sins to Jesus. He'll pay, and he'll take them from us and pay the price so we could have eternal life. You know, this is a topic where we need forgiveness. But we also need to forgive others, too. Because I think sometimes we can hold on to the sins of the past and think of times when others have sinned against us here. Maybe we can think of a, a spouse past spouse or someone else that we cared for that hurt us here in this regard. And we need to find a way in our hearts to forgive that person for what they have done. For we have been forgiven. 
And that's, I think, where we can start when we're looking for, a, for the strength to forgive someone. Well, think about how much you have been forgiven. And forgive that person. Let go of that, that past sin. And forgive them in your heart. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness changes our whole perspective on life. Think for a moment. If there was no forgiveness. If there was no hope of eternal life. What would our life be like? You ever look at, at some pigs as they're sitting out there in, their, in the pig pen and they, you dump some slop out in there and they fight for the slop and you kind of ever have a moment where you think, oh, do they realize how meaningless their fight is for that slop? Because even if they do win and they get the most of the slop, it just makes them all that much closer to the butcher, right? If a pig knew what its existence was all about, I don't know. I think their their meaning, their life would have no meaning, right? It's probably good they don't know that the butcher is waiting for them. And you know, if there was no hope for us, we would really be no different than, than the pigs. If there was no afterlife, if there was no hope of heaven, we'd be no different, Right? And then we would be fighting and scraping to get every little scrap of joy and happiness we could. And then I guess we would look at marriage the same way the world does and see it as just a, what can I get out of it kind of thing? And I'll go with it as long as it's, the going is good. But when the going gets bad, I'm out. And that would, I guess, make sense if that was all that there was to this world. But thanks be to God that there is more. That marriage was something established by God as a blessing for us. And it's meant to be a blessing here for us here on this earth. And it will continue to be that way until God takes us to be with him in heaven. And that's when it ends, right? That's God's um, ending of marriage. That's when he says, you know, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Well, God alone separates that and death. And that is a, a blessing for the believer who dies in the Lord. And they go and leave this world to be with the Lord, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's interesting that God so often uses marriage as an analogy. In the Bible, in Revelations, marriage a marriage feast is used as an analogy for heaven. I think that's great. You, know, you think of a party. And often in scripture, marriage is the analogy that God uses between him and us. So I kind of see it as, as a neat thing. When, when we die, you know, the, the marriage bonds here on this earth are, are done. They've been ended by God. But a new relationship is established between us and Jesus. And what a blessed relationship that will be. We look forward to that and, we, and are glad for the blessings that we have here on this earth and look forward to that eternal blessing with Jesus. Amen. Please rise.
Now, may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.